recurrently of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your host, Stuart Sutherland. Yes, hello and welcome to Films and Swearing. I am your host, Stuart Sutherland, and yes, it is just me. We're just coming hot off of like, the Easter holidays, so everyone's schedule is a little bit hectic. And me being sort of like the the running force behind the podcast, I hate to see it go weeks on end with like no content. So I've decided to record the next two episodes on my Todd. So I hope you are looking forward to a one-sided conversation. Uh, and again, it is continuing our IMDB season. I'm going to keep this train Rolling, going, whatever. Uh, but before we get into today's episode, which is uh, Billy Wilder's The Apartment, ranked uh, 106 on IMDb Top 250. 106 or 108, I'm not too sure. I have no notes in front of me. That's how organised we are. Uh, but first I thought I'd better take a moment to talk about the past, like some major People have passed in Hollywood just as of even today. Like, today is the 3rd of May. So it was discovered this morning that Star Wars actor uh, Peter Mayhew passed away, obviously. Most famously known for playing the role of Chewbacca. So I think that's taken... Like that, that's quite a significant passing for, for the Star Wars uh, community. Especially with it being May the 3rd. So I'd imagine only on... May the 4th, everyone will be mourning the loss of everyone's furry favourite, oh, favourite furry sidekick. I mean, I've already started seeing, like, uh, little Photoshop doctors of uh, images of Chewbacca, Carrie Fisher, and R2-D2 with little halos above their heads. So, it just makes you realise, like, Christ, they are dropping like flies, but these are, like, the Star Wars stars of like the seventies, like for a lot of people that was their childhood stars, and now we've we're kind of into our third generation of Star Wars heroes. So it's only to be expected that your original cast is is getting old. Let's say it that way. And another uh, more significant, well, not more significant, but a, a more tragic one. Because obviously Peter Mayhew was a fair age and a fair sized boy as well. Like, no, I couldn't imagine having to bear that load. Like, his knees were must have been fucked. But the other person I wanted to talk about was a Boys, the Boys in the Hood director, John Singleton. Obviously, it was known that last week he had suffered from a stroke and then unfortunately passed away on the 29th of April. Now, I have to admit, I am not very... Oh, actually, I'm scanning his IMDb just now. I was a fan of uh, Four Brothers, the Mark Wahlberg film from 2005. He's obviously the, the writer for Boys in the Hood, the producer of The Shaft, uh, the Shaft remake, not The Shaft, just Sam Jackson's Shaft remake. But yeah, I don't know much about the guy. I know he, he was maybe, he was the director of Too Fast, Too Furious, and it wasn't until. Obviously, we heard about him suffering from a stroke and he was being taken off of life support. 
Where it's like, man, that's that is tragic. That's a fucking shame and a half. So it's really one of these things where I should probably go out of my way to start having a look at some of his his better known work. Just to kind of educate myself. So I just want to give those moments for Peter Mayhew and John Singleton. May they rest in peace. Now, let's see if I can find my notes. Okay, so, as I said, we are talking about... Uh, not John Singleton, uh, Billy Wilder. Aye, Billy Wilder's The Apartment. From 1960. Now, this is... Ah, uh, on my phone here, I've got, I've got my notes now. Ranked at 108 in the top 250. Billy Wilder, uh, his top four IMDb credits include... Obviously, Right in the Apartment... Some Like It Hot, Sabrina, and Sunset Boulevard. Now, I recently just watched Some Like It Hot, and it was actually quite a fun film. Uh, Sabrina, I've never seen, but I have heard quite a lot of acclaim for Sunset Boulevard. So if, it, if that ever becomes readily available in streaming, I would definitely check it out. The cast of The Apartment, the film stars Jack Lemmon as C.C. Baxter, Shirley MacLaine as Fran Kublik, Fred McMurray is Jeff D. Seldrake. Ray Walton is Joe Dobashesh. Jack Kru- Kurtzen as Dr. Dreyfus. David Lewis is Al Kerberk. And Hope Holiday is Mrs. Margie McDougall. Oh, and we also have Joan Shawley as Sylvia. Now, the plot to this film, IMDb describes it as a man tries to rise in his company by letting the executives use his apartment for their trysts, but complications and romance of his own ensue. Now, that's, that's, that is very somewhat accurate, without giving away a major like a spoiler of the film, but this is what I am here to do. I'm also going to talk to, this, talk to you about this film at great lengths, so hopefully you've taken the time to watch the apartment ahead of time. As of this recording, it is streaming on Now TV. So if you subscribe to that streaming service, you'll be able to watch the film for free. And yeah, so this was not a first time watch for me. I had seen this film prior. I think I saw it on. No, I think I'd actually rented it because uh, I, originally I was trying to watch on my own. Um, watch the IMDb Top 250. I had subscribed to Love Love Film, which was like a UK uh, rental service where they would post the DVDs out to you, much like how like how Netflix started as like an online rental agent. So I added the whole 250 onto my uh, rental list and I randomly got uh, the apartment. So... And all I knew about it was it was supposed to be like a wacky comedy with uh, Jack Lemmon. And it was cried The Apartment. And little did I know it was a very different film. Um, obviously, the, the film opens with Jack Lemmon's character, Baxter, kind of telling his story. Saying he's sort of a low-level accountant who's trying to work his way up the ladder. But to kind of get some good karma with the bosses around him. He more or less lets them use his apartment as 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 the fucking shag pad, and that's it. That's really the way that poor Baxter. There's times where he has to leave his house in the middle of the night, go sleep on a fucking park bench, just so whoever fucking executive ranks above him could have a dirty wee shag. 
without his missus knowing. Like it's whoever whatever floozy they pick up in a bar, they all take it back to Baxter's house, drink his liquor, listen to his records, and just that just fucking soil his sheets and leave. Now there is some good comedy where the surrounding neighbours all think this is Baxter, so he's constantly, constantly shagging. Constantly drinking, and his next door neighbor's like a doctor, and he's like, I'm worried for your heart. Like, I hear you in the afternoons, in the evenings, and then the next afternoon, the next evening, you you need to slow it down. You're gonna fucking drop one of these days. And they just kind of laugh off just because they're all unaware of his, his, his apartment's just being used as a fucking a shag pad. Sorry if I'm saying shag pad too much, but yes, the film's just full of fucking mad shaggers. Like, they're all dirty bastards cheating on their wives, and they're too cheap for a hotel room, so they just take take advantage of this junior executive wannabe, so they just use his house, do their dirty deeds, and just give him the promise that you'll climb higher up the ladder, we'll pass on your recommendation. But uh, my, my thought of the film, it is a good film. I honestly would recommend this to a lot of people. Uh, it would be great to get hear Andy and Mike's opinions of it, but I mean, it, I don't. It's, it's a tough sell, like black and white film from the sixties, and and you don't want to tell them too much because you want them to discover it for themselves. But with, with names like uh, fucking Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine, it's no, it's not gonna, it's not as snappy as it could be. But what I love about this film is. It's just so earnest. Like Jack Lemmon's character, yeah, this is what he's doing to get ahead. And it it's nothing too sinister or sleazy on his side. He's just kind of bowing down and letting the executives take advantage of him and use his place. But it's not until he kind of develops a like a romance or kindling a romance with a, a elevator you know, like a, a, what would be the way to describe it? The lassie that works in the elevator, Miss Kublik. And obviously she's like one of these characters who's charming, pretty, short hair, kind of full of spunk, but not, not in a Scottish way. Like, she's just a spunky character. And it's like all the guys in the office really want to have a shot at her, but they've just, I think they use the line, no dice. Like, she's off limits. So, when... Like, we Ernest Baxter kind of gets a chance. He manages to talk her into a date, which you're, you're, you're hoping for. Like, you want this car to have a nice life. You, you don't want to see him sleeping on park benches because all cunts using his house for a dirty shag. So, when he starts getting the opportunity to, like, win a date, because he, he gets a, like, there's the big boss, uh, Mr. I think it was Sheldrake, kind of calls him in, and he's thinking, this is my opportunity to rise up the ladder. Oh, I've got all these good um, recommendations from the people around me, like all the executives who have been taking advantage of his hospitality. All of them have swore a good word in to Mr. Sheldrake. So when Mr. Sheldrake speaks to him, he's thinking, right, down to get up the ladder. And Sheldrake could see exactly what's going on. And he's just pointing out the fact that you're, you, everyone's just to this apartment to do these things and obviously that's not how you get up the ladder in this place so you're thinking oh fuck it like uh, this guy's just really want to fuck him over but it turns out 
Like, Sheldrake also wants the key himself. He wants to use fucking for more fucking dirty deeds. And you're thinking, Jesus Christ, like, the scum just rises to the top. And this, the cruel little twist is he's having an affair with a girl in the elevator, Mr. Sheldrake. There's this great sequence where he's, like, at a Chinese restaurant and it turns out to be her and... She ends up standing up backs so that are on this date they had planned, and you're just thinking, oh, this poor bastard's just got to get stepped on throughout this film. So it's just one of these things where you're just wanting, you're wanting the best to happen, but he's easily got to be this character that's just going to get abused several times throughout the film, get his fucking heart stood on, and things such as that. The last in elevator, Fran, and she is actually a, quite an adorable character. She seems charming, witty, but obviously she's she's damaged in a way where she's just kind of fallen for these men these married men this one married man who and it's it's the same like sleazy sort of story he's feeding her where he's not happy in his marriage she was the, the shoulder to cry on I'm gonna leave my wife we'll start a family and he's just kind of egging her on just to kind of continue the, the dirty dirty romance so and you can see where, in comparison to Baxter, like, he's a genuinely nice guy. She should, like, you want her, like, you want the good couple to come together. Like, she's a nice person. He's a nice guy. Fuck's sake, let's, I hope it works out for them and this fucking bastard Sheldrake gets what he gets coming to him. So, it's not until there's the Christmas party. It all kind of comes to, like, a climax on Christmas Eve. Where Dr. I was going to say Dr. Sheldrake, that's not right. Mr. Sheldrake's secretary has a word with uh, Fran, the elevator girl. And the secretary, Miss Olsen, kind of reveals that uh, Fran is kind of the flavour of the month. Mr. Sheldrake's like this with several girls, Miss Olsen included. So it that becomes like the fucking breaking point. Where she goes off, has a lot to drink, and fucking poor poor Baxter and he's completely unaware that this relationship that uh, Fran is having with Sheldrake Baxter's been led along thinking great I'm actually getting somewhere with Fran I've now got my own wee office she's like she's sure she stood me up on a date she's a bit frosty just now we don't know why but it just turns out that obviously this relationship that she's having with Sheldrake is sour and it was, it, it, one thing leads to another. There's a sequence where she ends up back in Baxter's apartment, obviously with Sheldrake. And when Baxter, as <laughs> the usual, he's been kicked out of his house. So what he does, he ends up going to like a bar and he's there till closing, drinking martinis. And it's, it's Christmas, so you've got fucking Santa Claus there getting drunk. And he starts chatting with this lassie and this lassie's got some fucking accent on her. Uh, they, they do mention at times, I think the film's set, uh, well, I think it's New York, so it's near the Bronx. So she's got this high-pitched, whiny Bronx accent. And she's talking about how her husband's a jockey, but he's in prison for doing this, that, and the next thing. And she's also a lonely spirit. So it kind of looks like, ah, Baxter's getting a chance to hook up. And he kind of pulls up all the, the self-acclaim that his neighbours give him, saying, oh, it seems like you're a bit of a shacker. You're a, you're a sex pot. And all these things. So when he's dragging her back to the apartment, well, willingly, uh, hashtag me too, 
He's like, oh, well, I'm a bit of a sexpot. All the neighbours are surprised I'm still here. I'm going to donate my body to science because I'm such a fucking top shagger. And she's all dead impressed. And it's not until he gets to go to his bed, like get the room ready, he discovers Fran lying on the bed taking a fucking overdose of sleeping pills. And it's like that moment where you're like, holy shit. And it is a big... Like, this film, I think, is widely sort of recognised as a black and white comedy. Like, multi-Oscar award-winning comedy. So, there's a fucking lassie committing suicide in it in, like, way a fucking minute. So, it kind of then goes from there, the story, the relationship between Fran and fucking Baxter as he's trying to nurse her back. Because thankfully he's got that doctor that lives next door, so there's quite a sequence where he has to fucking bang on the door and beg to get him through to save. And they'll just look at Baxter as just this fucking sex pest where this lassie's clearly committing suicide because of Baxter. So all the neighbours are kind of scowling him. But the poor bastards, it's nothing to do with him. Now, I mentioned earlier, obviously there was a Christmas party where Fran finds out that Sheldrake's a dirty bastard and in that sequence she's sitting in oh she she has a conversation with Miss Olsen and then she leaves and goes to Baxter's office and there's sort of like this lovely piece of foreshadowing where obviously Sheldrake's used his apartment to to have his way with Fran and she'd end up leaving a compact mirror and Baxter finds it and returns it to Sheldrake. And the significant note about the mirror is it's cracked. And he, he promises Sheldrake that, oh, it wasn't me, I, it was like that when I found it. And Sheldrake laughs off saying, oh, it was thrown at me, don't worry about it, it's fine. Thanks for returning it. And it's not until it's the Christmas party and you've got Baxter talking to uh, Fran and he's got this. He's bought this fancy wee bowler hat because he's a junior executive now. So he feels himself quite dapper. And he says, "What about you, me, and this fancy hat? Go out in the town and have a great time." And he's sitting adjusting it to the left, to the right. And he's, "Oh, I think if this looks good." So she hands him this mirror to have a look at. And of course, it's a compact mirror. And when he opens it, and he sees the crack, and he instantly realizes Sheldrake's banging Fran. And it's just like the the score, the and it's shot at an angle where it's sort of over his shoulder. So you see his eyes focus on the the compact mirror. His eyes are seen in the reflection of the broken glass. Uh, the broken mirror. And he says to her, it's broken. And, she's, and she comes back with like a somber line going, yes, it, it suits suits my personality or, or, or it's just like me. And you're like, oh, fuck's sake. Like, you want them to get together. You want everything to be alright. But, ah, oh, fuck, we're all broken people, aren't we? Jesus Christ. Uh, the film's pacing. The film runs for two hours. So, obviously, the whole chunk in the middle with the attempted suicide is kind of where the, it slows down. And But it's where you kind of see this relationship between Baxter and Fran Blossom. And there's a lot of stuff going on because you've got all these outside elements. You've got the the guys from the phone and Baxter one in the apartment. You've got Fran's family looking for her because it kind of takes place over a couple of days during the Christmas holidays and then leads up to and finishes. So that's kind of what happens all this time because obviously with Fran taking these sleeping pills, and but Baxter's having to keep her awake, make her walk around, kind of nurse her back to health, get her eating proper food. 
and all these things. So there's a lot going on. I don't say, I would not say it slows down. It is an interesting story. Um, when it comes to who steals the film, Jack Lemmon's the man. I really, really need to have a look more into his career for like some like a hot now this. And I could swear I've seen him in another film. I'm going to have to quickly take the time and have a look at it just so I could inform you, the listening audience, of like I've seen three of his films. Okay, I've had a wee scan IMDb and no, it is. It appears just to be The Apartment and Some Like It Hot are the only films I've, I've seen of his. So it shows you, and he's acting with like 99 credits, last one being The Legend of Bagger Vance, so I've got some work to catch up on. So, and it is, I do, I just adore the character of Baxter where you just want it to work out and he realises he needs to fucking break the cycle as well. He needs to stop letting people take advantage of him and that way he'll kind of achieve his true happiness. Because there's no way he could fucking stand a relationship if he's constantly being thrown out of his house just so other people could just shag in his house. Fucking ruin his sheets, drink all his liquor, score his records, piss off his neighbours. That's no way to live. No. Now, and I would say is the film had a happy ending, so I'm I was really really chuffed. Where the play, in a sense, that uh, uh, Baxter's got his life together. He's packed up. He's he's agreed that he's going to get rid of the apartment, and he's putting everything away. And at one point, he pulls out a handgun. And kind of just looks at it and puts it down. And you're like, holy Christ, okay. What, what, what's a fucking handgun doing here for? And he has a conversation with his neighbour where he's like, he's kind of just fed up with his life. He's going to move on and start anew. And then you've got um, Fran, who's left Sheldrake and she's running up to the apartment to meet him. But as she gets to the top of the stairs, all you just hear is the bang. And you're like, oh no. That's a fucking gunfire. Has he just fucking topped himself on New Year's Eve? And no, it just turns out he's just opened a big fucking bottle of bubbly. I guess just to have by himself. Why not just fucking develop a drinking problem bags there? Sure, why not? So he's just decided to open a bottle of bubbly on his tods. And it's just like much to the relief of Fran that he didn't kill himself. And then they sit and have a game of gin rummy, which card game I cannot fucking in the least bit fucking comprehend. Not that I've looked into it, but that just seems to be like kind of part of their relationship was learning to play cards and them sitting down together having a glass of bubbly and playing cards at the end and him just confessing his love for it and I think more or less she know she knew all along. So it's like ah oh, a happy ending. I am so fucking glad I had a happy ending. Now the film did fucking really well at the Oscars, I guess the 1960 or 1961 Oscars, it fucking sweeped five. So it got Best Picture, Best Director, Best Writing, uh, colon, written directly for screen, uh, Best Art Direction slash Set Decoration for a black and white feature, and Best Film Editing. So, the other... It was nominated for several others as well, obviously. Both Jack Clemen, um, the char- the act- actors and actresses that played Sheldrake and uh, Frank Kublik, 
both got nominated as well, but it lost out to other films. I've neglected to tell you which films they, well, which actors and actresses they lost out to. But still, fucking good year for Billy Wilder. I mean, it was his picture. He directed it. He wrote it. So, fucking three Oscars on his fucking bookcase, eh? Rewatchability? I would say it's rewatchable. I mean, I wouldn't go out my way to watch it often. I would possibly consider buying the Blu-ray Arrow Academy than a UK re-release in the last two years. And if I had some decent special features, maybe an audio commentary, I would probably bite the bullet if I could find it for under a tenner. It would be a nice one to kind of have in the collection. Because it's... it's I, I don't want to call it a feel-good one because someone takes an overdose of sleeping pills and just because she's broken-hearted. But it's one of those ones where you kind of feel better by the end of it. Now, when it comes to IMDb, obviously it's sat at number 208 on the list. So that is sandwiched in between film uh, 107 for a few dollars more. The Sergio Leone Western with Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef as reviewed on Films and Swearing 221 by my pal Andy Walker. So, and then below it, a film I have also been fucking itching, absolute itching to watch, uh, Metropolis, from 1927. Now, if you have a look on our Instagram page, I took a picture of uh, the robot woman from Metropolis. Obviously, it is part of a, it was part of a, robots display in the Edinburgh National Museum of Scotland and when I noticed they had robots from film and television I was like oh I fucking have to have a look at this so they had like a a T-800 from Terminator Salvation and the fucking statue from Metropolis and it's an eerie like fucking old school Doctor Who-esque creepy ass robot but it's one of these ones I've really always wanted to see like through my binge of silent films and this one being like a prolific one and I think two to three hour runtime, I reckon but to be honest I just want to see it just so I can say that I have and if it fucking blows my mind even better now I am going to be your soul man on this show so obviously I will also hit you with the BBT yes uh, the budget of this film it was made for three million dollars box office it raked in now I've only got a domestic figure here but it did pull in 24.6 million dollars so made a nice return on its 3 million budget now when it comes to the trivia I have three notes here let's see these were all sourced between IMDB and Wikipedia Uh, Jack Lemmon said that he learned much about filmmaking from Billy Wilder uh, particularly the director's use of hooks Bits of business the audience remembers uh, long after they've forgotten the aspects, the other aspects of the film. One such hook was the passing of the key uh, to Baxter's apartment. Lemon said for years after this picture's release, people would come up to him and say, Hey Jack, can I have the key? So, I wonder how long that took before I got annoying for Jack Lemon. Number two. The office Christmas party scene was actually filmed on December 23rd, 1959. 
so as to catch everybody in the proper holiday mood. Which, a fucking clever way. Like, obviously, it then goes on to say that uh, while they're filmed most of it all on the first take, stating to an observer, I wish it was always this easy. Today I can just shout action and stand back. But what fucking perfect way to capture a fucking Christmas, like a Christmas office party, than actually having a fucking Christmas office party on the verge, breaking off for Christmas. Like, you would have fucking forgot the cameras was on. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up looking like a scene, because they're all in big typing banks, where, like, this is the fucking 50s here, but you would imagine the same fucking setting for, uh, like, the Wolf of Wall Street, but I don't think by the end of the apartment they were fucking tossing drunken midgets around, doing coke off of fucking secretaries' asses. Arses? Asses. Now... Our last one, uh, in the movie Tributes, from 1980, made 20 years after this one, Jack Lemmon repeats the closing gag from the apartment. His character, Scotty Templeton, pops a champagne cork and his friends, played by Robbie Benson and John Marley, rush in, thinking he had just committed suicide. So it's a nice little homage to one of these, to this original film. Now, I also had a little look on Reddit for any particular... Uh, like noteworthy trivia because I noticed this film whilst being ranked in IMDb's top 250 it is also featured in the book uh, 1001 films to watch before you die uh, and it is I'm one of these guys if there's a thing about a list I would love to fucking have a look at the list and see what I've seen out of it and what films I need to look up so the fucking <laughs> the big old book of one thousand and one films to see before you die. I'm pretty sure I have still not broke the two hundred film barrier. I'll, I'll get there. I mean, there's plenty of time and all that. But the apartment was one of them. So I had a wee read of that this morning, and they spoke about this film kind of acting as a sequel to another one that uh, Billy Wilder had done a few years prior that also featured. Uh, Shirley MacLaine whilst not playing the character of uh, Fran but it was also talked about her having a, a failed relationship and I think leaving at the end so it would make sense for her to end up in New York City working as a fucking elevator girl but there was a nice post that I saw on Reddit where it was a scan of an old old letter and it's from Alfred Hitchcock writing to Billy Wilder congratulating him uh, on uh, the apartment and it was just like a few sentences just saying I've, I watched the apartment I enjoyed it thoroughly to the point where I had to write this letter to you to tell you so and also it was just someone that typed up and it just had to Billy Wilder like written on like with like a blue fountain pen and then at the bottom Alfred Hitchcock so it's just like this great wee thing where oh Hitchcock had seen the film and appreciated it that much it spurred him to fucking have a letter typed and sent to the fucking director. It's just like how old school cool is that? So now on to the Amazon one star reviews. The reason we do one star reviews on films and swearing it is to encourage you to visit filmsandswearing.com click on the Amazon link that we have on the right hand side of the page and do your Amazon shopping as normal, but through visiting Amazon via filmsandswearing.com, you also support Films and Swearing. We get a slight commission 
off of your sale. And I mean, you could buy fucking anything off of Amazon and we'll get varying levels of commission. So if you buy fucking pet food, we'll get commission. If you buy a fucking Blu-ray, buying a big fucking 4K fancy ass fucking H- well, 4K TV, we'll get a commission on that too. So... If you ever want to kind of support films and swearing, but we know times are tough. You can't be on fucking Patreon. We're no like a a fucking Twitter porn star or fucking cam girl. I'm not going to send you my fucking underwear. No. No. Definitely not. Just go to Amazon. Honestly, just go to Amazon. Uh, Filmsandswearing.com first. Click on Amazon. Do your shopping as normal and we get a wee commission from it. And normally every quarter... We get like a little voucher from them, which is fucking dead nice, and it, it kind of encourages us to keep going. Also, I think between myself, Andy, and Mike, we we enjoy this banter of sitting down and talking to each other. But obviously, with me doing the editing, the the cover art, putting all this information online, kind of keeping the fire going, it's a little bit of work, but it's nice to see that when you get. Like a wee reward, I don't know, a £25 voucher every so often fucking sent to you from Amazon. It's a nice bit of encouragement. So, next time you're thinking of shopping on Amazon, please visit filmsandswearing.com first. Now, for our Amazon one-star reviews, this film, The Apartment, has been reviewed 174 times in total, and four of them are one-star reviews. Two of those reviews were complaints about DVD and Blu-rays. The other two... Um, I just took little quotes because these people like to write. Uh, our first one. Just got a land of this off our neighbour and wasted two hours of my life. Can anybody quote me one funny line out of this supposed comedy? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So, I mean, the fact that he's crying himself a sex pot and his fucking antics and winding up his neighbours. Like, the fucking doctor shout, Mildred! Like, there was funny moments in this one, man. Just, like, chill it. I fucking would hate to have you as a neighbour, you big old serious bastard. Now, uh, review number two. Looked forward, but sadly disappointed with outcome. An unmitted disaster from start to finish. Poor story, pathetic script, and best forgotten. And I'm thinking, you, pal, should be best forgotten. Get to fuck. This is a nice wee film. Uh, Next time... On the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast. I know, it's been a quick one, hasn't it? It's kind of what happens when it's a one-sided conversation. But, fuck it. I think this is better than sweet fuck all. So, next week on the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, it is going to be my review of Disney Pixar's Inside Out. As it is ranked on IMDb. Up in their top 250. So... That is next on the list. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow us on social media at FAS Podcast. That way you could find us on Instagram. We've been posting some photos. I've been buying some t-shirts from, what's it, Last Exit to Nowhere. It is a t-shirt from The Fog that talks about Antonio Bay. And a, a t-shirt uh, from Enter the Dragon that talks about Mr. Han's Martial Arts Tournament. They're fucking lovely. Can't wait to fucking wear them out. Um, and for what I fucking paid for them I will definitely be wearing them every fucking day for like the next few months just to get that money's worth out of it I'm a tight git is what I'm saying but other than that I do want to post more 
I talk a lot on Twitter. I do want to tell you what to recommend, like what films to recommend you on Facebook and on Instagram. I will just fucking take pictures if I find some cool DVDs, uh, if we're paying tribute to someone who's passed away. We posted some Peter Mayhew pictures this morning. And yeah, I just see parts of our lives on Instagram. And I'm pretty sure you could find Mikey at uh, Mikey Van B. If not, have a look through Films and Swear and you'll find them easily enough. Uh, so yeah, that is the shameless social media plug. If you ever want to interact with us on social media, fucking go for it. What's the worst that could happen? Talk to us. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I have been your host for this lovely wee half hour. My name is Stuart Holland. Thank you and fuck off and tune in next week.